Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the All Sorts Podcast. Are you plant curious or wondering how to transition your diet to a fully vegan one? Then you're going to want to tune in, grab a pencil, and take some notes because my guest this week is none other than Catherine Perez, registered dietitian and creator behind the wildly successful plant-based RD Instagram account. If you want to build nourishing, flavorful plant-based meals, we've got tips. I also talked to Catherine about her own plant-based journey and her advice for those who want to dip their toe into plant-based eating. We discuss everything from the foods she thinks we should all eat more of daily, as well as how to navigate conversations with family and friends around your new choices. We get into how veganism brought Catherine closer to her Dominican food roots, troubleshooting on the vegan path and supplementation, and so much more. Whether you're a dietitian or RD2B wanting to learn more about Catherine's journey, you want to learn more about plant-based nutrition, or just how to add more nutrient-dense plant foods into your life, there is something here for everyone. So let's dive in. Okay, so I am so excited to talk to another plant-based dietitian, Um, and I am here with Catherine Perez, and we're going to talk about going plant-based and thriving with the help of like an actual registered dietitian as opposed to just the internet. So um, you've been uh, plant-based for a really long time, since 2009, you said. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that your initial motivation for going plant-based was health. Like what did that journey look like for you? And like, did you go like cold turkey or was it a gradual transition? Yeah. So, um, at least for the start of this whole journey, um, it was, it happened essentially during a time frame where I was looking to start implementing healthier choices in general, because my family, both like my mother and my father, they were diagnosed with like diabetes, heart disease, um, related things like high cholesterol and high blood pressure. And, in terms of their overall health, like I wanted to do everything I could to hopefully avoid that path. Um, mostly because like I had no desire to start all the medications that they were on or, um, have to deal with all the blood work and stuff like that, that they had to get even like more consistently done, you know, periodically throughout the year. So I took it upon myself to just like look at um, healthier lifestyles to try to implement for myself. And originally it wasn't looking from like the vegan lens to, you know, go about doing that. But eventually since of course, like I am coming from like a science background, I needed to look at research. So I was looking through PubMed, like the nerd I am, and uh, looking at some um, research articles that, you know, painted this type of plant-based lifestyle as um, being really helpful in terms of like longevity, you know, minimal chronic disease risk. And it had a really big appeal to me. So I decided one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do this whole vegan thing. And I had a really good track for like two weeks. And then my mom who bless her heart, she like had all good intentions. She like, made me one meal, not knowing what I was trying to do or understood what I was trying to do. And she made me like a pork chop. And I remember I was like, oh, she already made it for me. So I'm going to 
I'll just eat it because I don't want to insult her or like make her feel bad. And I remember like I took a bite of it and then I could not finish the rest of it because I was just like so turned off from it, from like all the things that I was reading about, you know, veganism in general. And so since that day, I just like took out all the animal products from my diet um, and have been living this way since. But um, yes, as you kind of mentioned, it was kind of like a cold turkey situation where I just like stopped consuming everything that was an animal product because I had kind of like made the association like, okay, this is no longer food for me um, from this point forward. That's amazing. So um, did you find, cause you, cause you mentioned your mom and it's funny because I remember um, when I went just vegetarian, so like not even vegan um, because that came later, my grandmother, my grandmother is a Portuguese um, she, the first time I went to visit her after I became vegetarian, she got so mad at my mom. She blamed my mom. She was like, why don't you let her eat meat? She loves meat. Ligia, what are you doing? She doesn't, <laughs> my mother was like, this has nothing to do with me. This is her own choice. But like my, my grandmother could not wrap her head around it. So like, did you, you know, beyond the like pork chop meal, like, did you encounter any challenges going vegan? Like, because you were, you were just like all in. Yeah. So, um, my, my family in general is kind of split between Dominican and Mexican. And, uh, I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with Dominican cuisine, but it is very meat heavy. So, um, making the switch from that was definitely like a shock to my mom. And like, there's really not a good understanding of veganism, you know, from that perspective. So trying to explain like, oh yeah, I'm not eating meat anymore. My mom kind of took it as like, oh my gosh, she hates my cooking and she doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't want my cooking anymore. She doesn't want to be part of the family. Um, you know, it was just like, it was hard for her to really wrap her head around it. Um, but I had to kind of like explain to her like, no, no, like it's not your food. Like your food did not make me want to go vegan. It was more so, you know, there was just a lot of factors to it that really appealed to me and kind of lived within my own values that I wanted to respect. And it took a while for her to kind of come to terms with that. But um, eventually she got there. It just, it took some time. And I think, you know, that's such an important point to bring up because I think, I think we probably both see this as dietitians that food you know, like, like food is food, but food is also culture. Food is also like so many of us love each other with food too, right? Like it's a way that we share love and like how we take care of people. And when you make a different food choice, it can really sort of become a bit of a mirror for people's own belief systems or, or thoughts or like sort of habits around food. And I definitely feel like if you're the only person in your family going, you know, vegetarian or vegan, um, I think that can actually like drum up, even with friends, it can really drum up like a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think even when I made the decision to go vegan, um, I was very much like, okay with, you know, veganism, like I had no problem obviously making this transition, but it seemed like everyone else did. <laughs> and um, not that anyone like 
forcefully told me like to stop being vegan, but more so it made everyone very, I guess, like, uh, like apprehensive about like their own choices and made them kind of like, you know, like pretty much like focus on like what is wrong with what I'm doing kind of mentality. And I think that had the biggest impact for me, like kind of viewing it from the outside of like what other people are kind of thinking about when it comes to veganism. But, um, yeah, usually there was like that guilt that, you know, um, I guess like that confusion as to why someone would want to do that and kind of reflecting on themselves and saying like, okay, well, what am I doing wrong that this is not like a good choice to be making for myself too. Yeah. And that is a really difficult one to navigate. I feel like that's a difficult thing to navigate as a dietitian when I'm trying to help people find a healthy way of eating that's right for them. And, um, and yeah, for people just in general, like it would be even harder because when you see someone in your life making these changes and yeah, you immediately are sort of like, okay, so like, what's that, what's that mean for me? And like, how can I, how can I be comfortable? And I think this is always the biggest thing. And maybe, maybe it's just a huge thing in our world in general, the idea that we all have different choices that are right for us and being comfortable with like different people making different choices and how all of our lives and like how the way we eat aren't necessarily going to be the same. And like, that's a hundred percent. Okay. Maybe this is just like a massive, like global human (laughs) scale issue we're going through. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, in general, I always kind of mention this to a lot of people, like food is oftentimes almost in that same contention of like politics and religion, where it's like, if anyone kind of differs or varies in terms of like those food choices, it becomes so obvious to other people that they have to kind of they get defensive and they think like, oh my gosh, I have to prove that what I'm doing is the right way. And this person that's you know, differing from that opinion, you know, there's something wrong with them, if anything. And um, yeah, like it gets very complicated whenever you get into a situation where you have to kind of change from what you were doing before and kind of go a whole different path, even though other people around you might not necessarily, uh, necessarily like understand that. And so like going through all this and experiencing this, like, is your plant-based tradition what sort of inspired you to become a dietitian? Like, did did you even know what a dietitian was growing up? Because like, I didn't, I'm always so interested talking to other dietitians because it's not like, it's not like a teacher or like a doctor or like a firefighter. Like people are like, what's a dietitian? So like, how, how did you become inspired to become a dietitian? <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because typically even like for myself, um, working right now as, you know, one-on-one counseling, um, typically with that, like first session, I always ask like, do you know what a dietitian is? (laughs) And most of them typically don't know. Um, but yeah, at least like for me growing up, I had no idea what a dietitian is. Um, Like I had maybe some inklings of it um, from like what you might see in social media in regards to like, you know, nutritionists, but not necessarily like a registered dietitian. It wasn't until um, I started looking at research that I noticed that individuals like listed in the title had like an RD, you know, in their name um, under the credits. And I was like, what does that mean? So like I would look into it and then 
Um, you know, I was also kind of interested in potentially like sharing the information that I was uh, learning at the time. And one thing led to another. I started like doing some Google researching and just saying like, okay, well, what are the paths for at least like educating on nutrition? Is there like college work that you can do for it? Is there um, like a specific degree path? And that eventually took me to, um, you know, the the coursework that I ended up doing um, as a registered, or I should say, as a student looking to become a registered dietitian. And the whole path was completely new to me. Like I had no idea what to expect for it. Um, it was just more so when I was going into it, I was like, okay, we're going to learn all about like these nutrients and like how it all, you know, um, works in terms of like promoting health and wellness. And the path to that was like completely different than what I had originally imagined. <laughs> um, especially in the beginning, there's not as much focus on like the health and wellness side. There's just a lot of science, which is great. I love that aspect of it. Um, and even, you know, kind of looking at the clinical side of things, like there's a lot of clinical information that's not always kind of geared towards the health and wellness realm. Um, so it took a while to kind of get to that spot, but um, it was definitely worth the journey, um, mostly because I feel like I got so much understanding as to like what the foundations of nutrition look like for a good majority of people and not just kind of being 100% plant focused, you know, uh, when it comes to learning about it, um, in general. Um, are there any things that I'd be so curious to know, because like, we don't really learn well and I, so I'm older than you are for sure. And so like, there was a bunch of stuff that like, I didn't learn about in my degree that I wish I had ironically gut health, given that that's such a main concern and also plant-based diets. Like we didn't learn a lot about plant-based diets as like an actual nutrition path. And we didn't learn a lot about gut health. Like, were there any things in your degree that you're like, man, I really wish I had learned more about this because it would help me be. Yeah. Um, I think there was a couple of things actually from like my program that I wish we had more information about. Um, like I wish that there was like like you mentioned, I wish there was some information gut health wise. It was still kind of in its infancy stages. Like it hadn't hit like textbooks or anything um, majorly at the time when I was um, going through my coursework, but um, that would have been great. A uh, little bit more focus on like other disease states would have been great too, because obviously like the main focus for a lot of us counseling is typically like you know, heart disease, you know, um, cholesterol, uh, diabetes, like those tend to be like the big name topics. Um, typically in the field though, like there's just so much more complication, you know, when you meet a client, like not, not one client is only going to have one single singular like issue. Like they usually have multiple <laughs> things that they're kind of like working through. And also just um, a little bit more in regards to like the social aspect of things, because, you know, I think we get like so many formulas of like how to calculate this and that. But then if someone is coming to you to help like improve their cholesterol, for example, um, maybe, yeah, that is a great goal. But like what's going around, you know, their whole life in general that has 
impacted that you know, number in general, because they might have a lot of things going on at home. And there's like that psychology aspect of it where it's like, you know, someone's struggling with like emotional eating because they've just gone that pathway because that's how they coped with it when they were younger. It's so much more involved than just telling someone, oh, you need to eat like five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. (laughs) That's usually not very helpful. And there's not a lot of like psychology training, you know, in terms of like how to approach someone to make a positive and helpful change. Um, I think that is something I wish there was definitely more of um, in the coursework in general. Yeah, I think definitely, yeah, especially because if it was just about putting the facts out there, like no one would need nutrition help anymore. Right. Like there's just like already so many nutrition facts, like eat lots of fruits and vegetables, eat your fiber, but it is so much of it is psychology and behavioral change and habit formation that it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. We definitely need to wear both hats, you know, when we're sitting down with someone, which is definitely not what I was like prepared for. (laughs) Like I stay on the job. Yeah, no, I always like joke with my clients, like, you know, I'm telling you right now, you're not coming to see me so I can tell you what you should be eating. Like, I think you already know what you should be eating. It's more so like, how do you go about it? How do you, you know, break a habit that you've been doing for like 20 years? Because that's pretty much like what people struggle with. It's not so much not knowing what those healthier choices are. Like, obviously, there's a lot of confusion, uh, confusion sometimes like in Google searches or, you know, you might stumble across like a headline that's like very, um, you know, attention grabbing because it's like saying like, oh, this is the next food that's, you know, off the plate because it's dangerous or, you know, something along those lines. And um, we tend to forget that, hey, the basics are pretty much like set in stone, like you know, eat more fruits and vegetables where you can, you know, focus on balance. Like those are all things that we inherently know about, but um, we get so caught up in like those fine details that we forget like, Hey, really the big thing is trying to change those habits over time and try to make it as sustainable as possible too. And I feel like something else that's so important that we often don't talk about is understanding how your current habits suit you you know, Mm -hmm. like, and how do they serve you? Because they are like, you would not be doing something for 20 years if it didn't feel successful to you in some way. And like granting yourself sort of like the compassion to say, Hey, like I needed this habit in my life for some reason. And now's the time to change it. But we, I think we just start to like, I don't know, almost like defend ourselves against that change as if again, almost like what you were saying with you know, with the, your friends and family, when you decided to go plant-based, um, is that like, if you were making the change and they weren't like something was wrong. And so if you make this change in your life and want to change this habit, it's like, then you sort of have to admit that it was wrong. And that can feel really limiting or or like make people really defensive, which is so, yeah, again, psychology, like so much psychology (laughs) there. So let's actually talk about making a change. Like if someone was going to make a change and I feel like, you know, being, cause I went vegetarian as like a teenager and then like vegan way later. Um, but I never like, 
being like the vegetarian, even in growing up in like a hippie town where you think it would be more normal than it was, like it was still super weird. And I never thought in a million years that like vegan and plant-based diets would be as mainstream as they are now. And I think more people than ever sort of like thinking they're like dancing around, like maybe I should, maybe, maybe I could do this. Like I could do this. I think that, I think I want to do this. Like, what would you give that person who's just sort of tiptoeing around the edge of this decision? Like what would advice would you give them to like, how, how do you start? How do you, how do you know that this is the right choice for you? Yeah. Um, that is a great question because oftentimes most individuals mentality will be all or nothing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you have to be a hundred percent in this or else, you know, what's the point. Um, but I feel very strongly, um, for most individuals looking to kind of like experiment with it, or even if you're not ready to make like a hundred percent commitment, there's probably small things that you can already do that, um, I think could be of major benefit. So like, for example, um, there's like millions of different plant-based milks out on, on the market. You know, even if you're not ready to like give up cheese, for example, cause I know cheese is like one of those really hard things for a lot of people to kind of just quit in general. Um, but typically if there's something easier that you can do, start there and then gradually build from there. You know, you don't have to go cold Turkey. Like I did, I did it because I was able to kind of like mentally just make that decision. But I know that that doesn't always work for everybody. And, you know, the pace that you're going at is perfect the way that it is. Like you don't have to stress yourself to, um, you know, match up to someone else's journey because your journey is unique and individual and you're going to have like your own specific challenges and successes that are going to help shape, you know, how you view food and your social relationships and stuff like that a lot better. So go with what feels best for you. Like, you know, I think definitely just taking it one step at a time is like the biggest thing to suggest here, mostly because there's probably stuff that you feel you could, you know, uh, make that switch to like, like I mentioned with like milk, like you can switch to an almond milk or a soy milk, or you can opt for, um, you know, coconut milk, whichever one is kind of the best option for you. Um, and the same thing goes for other things. Like maybe you just experiment with like one plant-based meal a week. You know, it doesn't have to be every single day if you're not ready to make that commitment. Um, but start off with just making those experimental things, you know, uh, part of the day to day. So it doesn't feel as you know, strange or weird. And, um, a lot of it kind of falls into place as you find things that you love. It will just kind of keep edging out the things that maybe you don't want to be predominating in your diet overall. And that makes the transition so much easier. And I love that. I I mean, what you said about your pace is perfect. I think that really comes back to that idea of compassion. And it's like, it's okay to do this in your way and not someone else's way. And so if you want to like try one or two plant-based meals a week, or just want to try shifting with plant-based products, because you talked about the milks, I feel like we should talk about the milks because there are so many out there. (laughs) And definitely someone can like try one and maybe not like it and be like, oh, I don't like all this stuff. Not realizing there's like eight different kinds and they all taste different. Um, But what should someone look for when they're looking at a plant-based milk in terms of like actual like nutrition? 
Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things to consider when, you know, moving from like, let's say you consistently use dairy milk, um, you know, for cereals and baked goods and stuff like that, kind of look at what you were using that milk for and then replace it accordingly. So like, for example, if you're drinking like two glasses of milk a day and you're using it to, you know, boost up your protein, you might want to opt for a milk alternative that kind of has uh, similar or equal amounts of protein to it, um, just so it's kind of matching up nutritionally to that. Um, the other thing too, is if you're just using milk to kind of like, you know, add to your coffee, or if you're just using it very sparingly, like, you know, you might not necessarily need to be as concerned about like all the nutrition inside of it. Um, but I think something to kind of keep in mind is that a lot of these like plant-based milks are fortified with like other nutrients that could be helpful too. So like if you're concerned with making sure that you're getting enough calcium, for example. Um, a lot of these plant-based milks are fortified with like extra calcium, um, vitamin D, all these other nutrients um, that could be really helpful, you know, for you to um, kind of like make that transition without having to worry about, oh no, I'm not getting like certain nutrients <laughs> that I should be getting. Um, so those fortified products definitely make a big difference. That's awesome. And, um, you know, my friends in the U S like you, I believe your plant-based milks are actually fortified to a higher level of calcium too, because I've seen a lot of them, they're like 45% of yeah. DV, which is like, which is amazing. So in Canada, we're tapped out at 30, which is 300 milligrams of calcium. So that it's like about equivalent, but a lot of the plant-based milks in the States, which is so cool. It like brings you even higher, which I love because I'm one of those people I'm more, I'm not a, like a, like a milk drinker. I'm like a, in your coffee. And so getting the extra calcium means you'll actually like get like a decent amount. Like even if you're just sort of like making a little like half latte thingy, which I love. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's, and I almost forgot about like those differences, obviously like Canada versus like us, but yeah, I think you even brought up a good point um, in general, when it comes to that dairy component. And that's why I kind of mentioned, um, you know, kind of look at what you're using the milk for, uh, you know, before, you know, deciding which alternative you want to use. Um, mostly because the nutrition aspect of it, I know everyone's like, oh, well, milk will help you kind of make your bones stronger. Like, it's kind of like to a specific capacity where, you know, you could get those nutrients from other sources. So even if you're not the biggest milk drinker, like you could get those nutrients from like making sure that you're opting for calcium rich, like fruits and vegetables, you like making sure that you're opting for other fortified things like, you know, cereals and things like that are fortified with other minerals. So if you're not, again, like the biggest milk drinker, you could still get it in other places too. That's awesome advice. I um, I have to say, so your your Instagram feed is so beautiful, and I, you know, it's filled with. If you haven't seen it, you have to. It's at Plant Based RD, and of course, I'm going to link to all of Catherine's wonderful stuff in the show notes of this episode. Um, but you have you make the most beautiful bowls, but they're also really accessible and like very much made from everyday foods, like. And I think for people who are making this transition, um, they they might feel like, oh, well, like I'm not a great cook. I don't really know the biggest, I don't know how to prepare these plant-based foods because I'm used to preparing like more meats. Um, like 
how can people find a little bit of like that Catherine Perez magic when they're making their own meals? (laughs) Well, thank you, first of all, for that. Um, If anything, my biggest tip um, in general when it comes to prepping any of these meals is to really just break down the main components of what you need in a bowl. So like usually when I'm planning out a bowl, I always think, okay, what's, what's my vegetable going to be? What starch do I want to use? And what's going to be like my main source of protein? Because you can kind of, you know, swap out different things as needed and really to make them as enjoyable as possible. The big thing here is flavor. So you could have like the prettiest bowl in the world, but if it tastes terrible, like you're probably not going to want to eat it. Um, so I highly, highly recommend if you're going to, you know, work on anything, especially transitioning to a vegan um, lifestyle, big thing, start leveling up your spice cabinet. Like it makes such a big difference to have really good quality spices available, um, know exactly how to use them too. So if you are, you know, looking at recipes, kind of look at the flavor that's kind of noted in all the spices that are there. They're there for a reason. (laughs) You know, if you take one out, obviously going to potentially impact the ending flavor in that dish. Um, And that's really important to note because everyone's palates are so different. So if you need to adjust something, you know, tasting along the way, especially when you're building some of these bowls can be really helpful for you to enjoy them even more. The more that you enjoy it, the more likely you're going to want to stick to it long-term. So yeah, definitely level up spices. Another one would be sauces. So if you can do um, like any of your favorite sauces, hot sauce, teriyaki sauce, um, you know, vegan pestos and stuff like that, that are available on the market, get your hands on them because they make things so easy, especially if you just don't have time to like really focus on maybe making something, you know, very involved. It can kind of still have a lot of good flavor if you're focusing on the um, things that are already kind of prepared. So you can always rely on convenience too, if you need it just to make life easier as well. My fridge has so many condiments in it. I saw this meme that was like, what's a vegan's favorite food? And they're like, sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, yes. <laughs> Cause as much as I love a chickpea, like I'm not just putting a chickpea on my plate. Like yeah. it's, it, you, oh, you need yeah. something. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like we have four different like sriracha sauces and I had no idea outside of like just the regular red one. They have like green, they have yellow. There's like all of these different ones that you wouldn't realize exist until you're actually looking, but all of them have like their own unique flavor notes and really helps to kind of make those bowls a lot more interesting and also change that too, because, you know, probably the biggest complaint I get is like, oh, everything tastes the same. It's like, well, you know, how are you changing it up? Like, are you using the same seasonings or the same sauces all the time? Like go venture out and try something, whether it's like maybe a different, like cultural sauce, or maybe you try like a spice blend from India, you know, like any of those specific things can help kind of elevate a dish and turn it into something completely different than what you might be comfortable with. Yeah. And it gives such a nice opportunity. I feel like when we make dietary change, we're constantly thinking about restriction. We always think about the things that we're not eating. Whereas like 
when we take this approach, like it becomes fun. It becomes play. Like we're like, what flavors can I make today? What can I explore today? And I want to highlight a tip that you mentioned just a few minutes ago, because it's so critical and it totally changed the way that I cook. Uh, And that's to taste as you go. Like this never occurred to me. Like I would just make something and I would eat it. And I was like, Oh, I don't like it. Like it's no good. As opposed to like, you know, you, you make an addition and you taste and you're like, no, I need, maybe I need double the spice. And like you, one of the things I love about your recipes is you use spices. Like I use spices. Like it's not like a tiny pinch. It's like a pour. Like Yeah. You have to like add it on like any recipe that has like less than two cloves of garlic. I'm always suspicious of, cause I'm like, there's no way that's going to have enough flavor in it. And so for people who are listening, same thing. Like if you're exploring these new, like like vegan recipes, you know, taste because maybe the recipe developer only put a tiny pinch, whereas you would like a pour. So like taste it and double up that cumin. If, if you're into like, that's what I'm into. Cumin is like my, like running through my veins. So yeah. yeah, So that's such valuable advice. And it seems so simple, but it really does transform the way you cook because you're, you're, you know, constantly adapting to like whatever you're tasting. Right. Um, I'm wondering from like a diet, like wearing the dietitian's hat, like, do you have like a core set of foods that you encourage people to sort of eat daily, like greens or like legumes? Like um, which foods do you think are really important to help people stay nourished when they're plant-based? Yeah. So biggest things that I recommend would be starting off with just like some basics. Like you already mentioned legumes. I think they are so underrated and they are some of the most nutritious foods available to pretty much everyone. Um, And plus they're also like cost-wise, like very cheap. So it's a very easy way to kind of incorporate a lot of good nutrition um, and also to kind of help with our gut health in general, because I think a lot of people forget about that. Um, But yes, beans definitely always on my plate as often as possible. Um, And then pretty much the way that I handle like vegetables, like I always encourage people to think about what vegetable is potentially like their favorite. And even if they can't necessarily name a favorite, like name one that they would be comfortable incorporating quite regularly, mostly because I'm definitely an advocate for eating the things that you like eating because, you know, I could sit here and say, oh, well, you should eat kale every single day. But if you absolutely hate kale, it's probably like a recipe for disaster (laughs) for kind of like staying committed to like living within this plant lifestyle. Um, So definitely kind of just varying up based off of what you might like is definitely something to kind of uh, focus on. And then I would also say herbs, like herbs are probably one of the best things that you could, you know, try to focus on in general, especially with adding to meals, because like, let's say you aren't very big on greens. Those types of greens are actually like even higher capacity of like antioxidants and like other minerals and nutrients um, that can be really helpful. And they're also really flavorful. So like compared to like, let's say a bag of spinach, like a bag of spinach doesn't really have a lot of flavor, but if you have like, let's say some cilantro or you have you know, fresh parsley or oregano, like those things have so much flavor to them when they're fresh. Like if you add that in, like you're 
definitely upping the antioxidant load of your meals, which is great. And you don't even have to add that much to get that benefit. So I think that's also just another tip in case maybe you're not like the biggest greens person. <laughs> and that's such good advice. I love that. I am. Um, I love parsley and cilantro, but also like you get this big bunch for like 99 cents. And so many of the other greens are much more expensive than that. And so it's like a really easy way to get, we forget because we think of them as like garnish, but like, no, that's a legit green. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I like, I'll take fresh basil and I'll like throw it into a smoothie and it's just like, Yeah, I know that sounds kind of like a weird flavor combination, but it actually works. And it also kind of helps boost extra flavor. Like you can do the same thing with mint, Um, you know, any of those greens, they work really well. And again, like you don't even have to use a lot to really get the maximum benefit from them. And the other fun thing about herbs, now that I think about it, is that even if you don't have space to grow other food, you can usually grow herbs in your windowsill. So it gives you the opportunity to sort of like grow something of your own too, which is kind of fun. Yes. And I think that that's a really good point because I've, my entire life, I've always lived in an apartment. So like we don't have like backyard space to kind of, you know, grow our own thing. And um, one of my favorite things to do is to um, keep some herbs or even just like regrow like, green onions and stuff like that, because they're really easy to kind of upkeep. Um, Just all you need is like a jar of water and just like put the roots in there and it will start to like sprout and go grow out of control for you. So even if you don't have a green thumb, like you can definitely make it work. I know that regrowing thing, if anyone listening, I'll, I'll have to put something in, but like you cannot believe the amount of vegetables you can actually regrow from their scraps. Like it is the first time I saw it, I didn't believe it. I was like, no, this is some trick. (laughs) Same here. I like, I'm, I'm notorious for pretty much like killing almost any plant. So it's like, (laughs) like when I actually had it happen and I was like regrowing something, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually legit. Like you can actually do this. I was very proud of myself. So. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I kill house plants. I do okay with growing food outside, but like house plants and me are not, we're not good friends whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when you're working with people who are, you know, transitioning to a vegan or plant-based diet, like what are some of the challenges your clients and patients have encountered? And like, how do you troubleshoot them? Yeah. So, um, probably the most common thing that I'll hear from them is probably like more so hunger related. So I think one of the biggest things that people forget is that a lot of plant-based foods, they tend to not have as many calories to them. So, you know, for the volume essentially. So like the same amount of like, let's say steak compared to the same amount of broccoli, you know, while, They'll both provide nutrients. The calorie count on both of those is completely different. So like you can't just decide like, okay, I'm going to change my chicken salad and then just take off the chicken and not replace it with anything. Because if you do that, what's going to end up happening is you're going to feel like you're not getting enough energy. You're going to feel tired. Um, You're going to be constantly hungry and looking for something. So it's really important to not focus on like taking away something from the plate, but instead like replace it. So if you are thinking about replacing like meat on your plate, like make sure that you're replacing it with something that's adequate. Like 
make sure that you're replacing that chicken with like chickpeas or, you know, maybe it's some cubed tofu, like anything like that to help replace that specific protein source is going to be really important just from a sustainability perspective. That's such good advice because I do find that people will just think of like removing everything. It's like, no, but there's, there's fats there. There's proteins there. Like you got to put that back. Otherwise you're starving all of the time. (laughs) Yeah. Like if someone hasn't, like, let's say if they stop eating cheese, like cheese has a higher fat content to it. So if you just remove that and then don't replace it with something, it's probably going to feel like something's missing. And you know, you want to be able to replace that with an adequate fat that's going to help fill you and satisfy you at the same time. So that's where it becomes like so critical to think about swaps versus just completely removing something. And plant-based cheeses are so much better now. Like they're just so delicious. I mean, you could do whole food, you can do avocado, you could do olives, like something nice and fatty, but like, oh my gosh. Cheese, yeah. cheese was the reason it took me like three years to fully transition, <laughs> but they're so good now. They're, oh my yes. gosh, they're so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think comparing like where veganism was when I started in 2009 compared to right now, it's like night and day. Like there is just so much more available. Like back in 2009, like I was trying to make stuff, a lot of stuff from scratch, because that was pretty much like the only option that I could get in my area. And um, now there's just like so many varieties of like vegan cheeses, um, like spreadable, you know, all the shreds available slices. There's just like so much that wasn't available. So like, if you're looking to go plant-based, I feel like now is like the perfect time because there's probably an alternative that you can switch to that will be a lot more palatable now versus like what it used to be. <laughs> and so like, let's talk protein specifically, cause we've sort of alluded to it about like replacing and, you know, not just removing the animal products from our diet. Um, protein is always a worry for folks. I think because we've just had it like hammered over us that like protein equals meat, which is obviously not the case. Um, so like, what are your favorite ways to get protein in your meals? Yeah. So, um, this is excellent question. Um, typically like my favorite thing to kind of add to meals, like I mentioned is typically either like beans or tofu. Like those are like my go-to protein sources. Um, but there is also kind of the same thing with like the cheeses. There's like a lot of like meat alternatives that you can utilize as well, especially if um, you kind of miss that texture. And I think that's like the biggest thing that I feel the protein does help with um, in general is you have to think about it from like that chew and texture aspect. And um, I feel like when you have things that are just like more on that chewy side, it definitely helps with that satiety um, as well as like that satisfaction with a meal. So definitely like beans, tofu. Um, I also really like, you know, kind of trying to make sure that I'm incorporating other protein sources where I can. So like I mentioned with the milks, you know, I I typically will opt for like a soy milk. Um, You know, there's also hemp milk that has a little bit of extra protein to it, as well as like ones with that are like pea based. Um, So like you can do um, like those types of milks just to get a little bit of extra protein. Um, it's actually a lot easier to get that protein in. Um, it's just more so just knowing what is 
actually going to have that protein when adding it to the meal. Um, but pretty much, you know, wherever I would have normally added protein before, that's usually where I kind of add those substitutes in now. Awesome. And you, you mentioned that Dominican food is like very meat heavy and like that would have been a major protein source. And, you know, how do you, how do you support folks who, you know, if their own sort of like cultural food um, is really meat heavy, like how do you support those folks who are worried they might not be able to eat their cultural foods once they go vegan? Yeah. So I think one thing to kind of note is that at least like from my experience, and I know everyone's experience is a little different, but I feel like I've become more in tune with my culture becoming vegan than I was before. Um, there was a lot of foods that I was very apprehensive of when I had, uh, like before transitioning to vegan. Um, but since I was kind of thinking of exploring more and just being more open-minded, it helped me kind of connect with my culture a lot better because I was looking at like different spices, how they were used, how they're used to kind of flavor those foods in general. And I feel like it helped me um, kind of get to know that side of things that I was kind of like not really into before. Uh, so I feel like I know a lot more about Dominican cuisine <laughs> than I did like prior to 2009. Um, and it also helps me to stay obviously connected with my own family, because if I go to a family event, you know, I can share that cuisine with, you know, those same people and not feel like an outcast, if that makes sense. Because that was like my main worry when I had switched over to vegan was like, oh my gosh, Thanksgiving is going to be really awkward next year. <laughs> um, like that was like the main thing that was on my mind in general. And um, I know for a lot of people that are worried that they're going to like, you know, be denouncing their culture because they're choosing to move away from meat. It's farther from the truth. Um, and then also kind of noting like, yes, while Dominican food is on the heavier side of meat, there's also a lot of traditional foods that are, you know, technically very easy to make plant-based. So like um, we have dishes like arroz con candules, which is um, rice and pigeon peas. And that is something that I, all you have to really modify is just like the stock that you're using for it. And you can still get something really flavorful. Um, and just remembering that a lot of the tweaks that you have to make is just swapping out the protein. Like you can still flavor those proteins the same way. You know, you might have to like add a little bit extra to something, but Hey, that's that whole idea of like tasting as you go. Like you will be able to adjust to your palate to make it seem very close to home. I love that. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Thanksgiving. I know it's such a big holiday in the U S and like, I always feel like, because we would just watch all these movies about like how Thanksgiving, like the whole family's just like some, you know, some drama happens and everyone's getting upset. <laughs> and so it sort of like put this picture to me, like, you know, coming to like your first sort of like holiday feast gathering, like as a vegan and like having to have those conversations with family and friends, like, how do you suggest folks sort of approach that if they're feeling nervous about being like, Hey, this is me now I'm eating in a different way. Like, how do you suggest we sort of like navigate those challenging conversations given, you know, with what we talked about before is that 
um, us making choices can sometimes not be that well-received or can sometimes cause others to reflect on their own eating. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's helped me is to ask typically like whoever's hosting um, in general, if it's okay to bring something. So like, for example, um, not just even like for myself, but like for everyone that's attending, um, whether it's like, hey, maybe you just make a really awesome vegan dessert that you know that, you know, for everyone, it will be one of those things, unless they ask, like, they'll probably not know (laughs) it's vegan. Um, And also just kind of being thoughtful, right? It's just being very polite about the way that you approach explaining this to someone and not passing judgment on them. It's like, you know, only really answer that if they're asking like, hey, why don't you have meat on your plate? You know, don't get very defensive about it. If anything, you can just say, you know, oh, well, this is just not my choice. You know, I'd rather eat these foods because they make me feel my best. Um, trying to pass as little judgment on them will make them more open to conversation versus if you're just telling them that they're a terrible person for eating meat, like that's usually not going to fly very well at the dinner table. Um, so yeah, politeness, big thing, uh, making sure that you're also sharing in what you love and enjoy, like that's going to be a very big thing too. Yeah. Well, I, and I love that idea of sort of sharing the positive aspect. It's like, I, you know, I eat these amazing foods. They're super delicious. And like, yeah, that's so yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because you make this amazing food. And as a dietitian, like I, I have uh, no doubt that you're extremely well-nourished, but I know a lot of people also have uh, questions about supplements. Um, so like, what do you recommend? Like, do you recommend something for like new vegans versus people who are sort of like got their step and they've figured it out? Like what, what do you talk to people about in terms of supplementation? Yeah. So I usually focus the most important one that I would recommend people just getting into the habit of doing is taking a B12 supplement, like across the board, that is the one thing, like if you're not doing anything else, right, like just do that one thing. It's cheap, it's accessible. Um, You know, you just have to kind of either get in the habit of doing it on a daily basis with a smaller dose or going for a bigger dose just once a week. So whichever one it, you know, helps you stay on top of that habit, like that's the one to go with. Um, If you are ready to kind of take on more than just like the B12 supplement, um, vitamin D and getting a vegan one is um, definitely something to kind of pay attention to. So just look at the um, packaging and just make sure it does say it's suitable for like vegetarians, vegans um, in general. But that one's a big one. And then omega-3s, because I think a lot of people do not pay attention to this, but obviously like recommendations out in the literature definitely recommend to kind of focus on, um, you know, getting fish once or twice a week, but obviously going vegan, you're not going to be eating fish. So whether it's getting omega-3s from other sources like flax seeds, um, hemp seeds, chia seeds, any of those things, But if you are not big on eating those things on a daily basis, it might be helpful to take an omega-3 supplement um, that's algae-based. So if you're taking something like that, it will just help cover your bases in general, um, you know, just to kind of, again, make sure that you're meeting those nutrient needs. And if you are 
especially in the beginning stages of trying to figure out what balance looks like for you, um, probably the best bet compared to all three of those would be um, doing a multivitamin. So if you do a multivitamin, that really does literally cover all your bases um, for the most part. And, um, you know, that's something that even if you don't have everything right, just quite yet, like it will help kind of buffer you for the time being. And then you can always like readjust those supplements with the help of, you know, a healthcare professional. Um, so if you do have questions about that, meet with someone like one-on-one just to kind of make sure you're getting the right dose, the, you know, adequate amount that's perfect for you. And you should be all set with that. I love it. See and meet with a health professional. Don't go on the internet and like <laughs> buy 75 different things because the internet tells you, you need all those supplements. Yes. I, it will save you a lot of money and, um, you won't be making expensive peas. So, like <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, if anything, just keep it basic just do stuff that you think will be helpful for you in that either transition period or even just like long-term and always know that you can readjust if need be. So love that advice. Okay. Don't make expensive pee. Very important. I mean, be be expensive if you wish, but don't make expensive pee. Yeah. (laughs) Save it for the the vegan cheese, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Save it for the cheese. You're going to need it. So (laughs) I love to close every episode with five rapid fire questions that are a total surprise to the person being asked. Um, So let's start uh, with a simple one. Tofu or tempeh? Tofu. Very easy. It's like perfect texture. For me, it's like the one thing that I probably eat almost on a daily basis. (laughs) We're going through a tofu shortage locally here right now over like the last week. It's very strange. It happened at the beginning of COVID too, but it's very strange. I was like, there was like no tofu on the shelves. Oh my gosh, I'd be devastated. (laughs) Hopefully that gets corrected soon. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of quote unquote meat alternatives going on in this house because the tofu is not here. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So biggest misconception folks have about going vegan biggest misconception is that you're going to like wither away and die because you're not getting enough nutrients. So, um, I can vouch that I've been doing this since 2009, fully hundred percent. And I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. My brain's still functioning fine. (laughs) We're all good here. (laughs) You can still see clients all day. So definitely that brain is doing okay. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I don't think I'd be able to do it if, if uh, if I was not nourished enough. So true. True. (laughs) Okay. Favorite condiment or seasoning. Ooh, that one is tough. Um, for a condiment, I'd probably go with everything, but the bagel seasoning, because it, it just goes on everything. Like, I feel like I even, you know, if I don't have like sesame seeds on hand, like I'll just use everything but the bagel seasoning on it because it has technically sesame seeds in there, but it's like you get extra flavor from it. So you get like the onion, the garlic. So yeah, that's like my favorite one. It's so good. Okay. What would it be if it was seasoning then? If it was seasoning, I would say adobo. Like adobo is like Mm -hmm. a dry spice that we use um, in a lot of like Latin cuisine in general. Um, Specifically, 
I would even say like more Caribbean Latin. So um, I use it almost daily. I use it on my tofu. So it's like, <laughs> that's a go-to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I learned about adobo from you. And I also learned about if I'm Sazon or Saison. Sazon. Yeah. So Sazon. Yeah. It is so good. It's pretty much, it's got cumin in it. So I know you, you'll love that aspect of it. It's very, it gives you like a nice smoky flavor to things. So if you like that smoky quality, especially like coming from a very like beet based um, lifestyle in general, like you'll probably like that spice, especially on a lot of plant-based foods. I can't find it in my local supermarket. And so I went <laughs> on Google and I can't get it the brand that you mentioned. So I went to the brand, found out what's in it. And then like I Googled recipes. So I'm actually going to make it myself this weekend. Oh, That's what I'm planning good. on doing. <laughs> yes. Tell me how it is because it's, it's like my go-to for everything. Like if I'm not sure how to season something like that will just go into it. <laughs> okay, good. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, with that kind of goes hand in hand, um, recipe you think every plant-based enthusiast should have in their back pocket a way to marinate tofu because that I think will unlock so many secrets and so much happiness because <laughs> I think if anything, if you have something protein wise, it's just like very easy and flavorful. Like it just, it goes the distance and makes life so much easier. Um, so yeah, a good marinade for tofu, or you can even use it. Like if you can't um, do soy, for example, like, adding that to like beans and marinating your beans, like makes a huge difference. It, it will transform your life. Trust me. <laughs> game, game changer. Especially if you are the kind of person who's like, okay, I am going to eat chickpeas and just sort of open up the can and put them on your salad. And you're like, they don't taste like much. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> flavor tip, at least there. <laughs> Amazing. More flavor. Okay. And last one. Um, what is your favorite plant-based cookbook right now? Ooh, that is a good one. Cause like I have gotten so many cookbooks, um, but the, I'll go with like the last one that I used. So the last one I used was the, um, the Oshi Glows cookbook, like the newest one, the dinner one. Um, uh, she has so many great recipes in her cookbook. And I feel like she was one of the first uh, like vegan accounts that I actually knew about. And I tried like recipes back in the day from her and she made the transition like so much easier. So if you need help like, <laughs> with getting flavorful meals, definitely check that cookbook out. I know she, Angela is like awesome. So and, 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 yeah. and her recipes work. Like they just, yes. they work. They're always flavorful. Um, yeah. And having, having, especially a few accounts like, like hers, like yours, it's just so helpful. Like the internet can also be like a negative nutrition place, but when you like create a nice little positive plant-based bubble with people like you who like just serve up this awesome inspiration, it really does make transitioning like so easy. Cause you're like, Oh, I know all of this amazing food to make now. Like, whereas before you're like, help. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like if you can create an environment that is going to help support you and your success, you know, transitioning or even staying vegan long-term, create that environment, like focus on that as like starting that foundation. Um, it's going to help you so much more than 
you know, kind of following people that will just kind of infuse doubts and stuff like that in you. Like it's okay to doubt stuff and question things, but you know, if all you're thinking about is like, oh my gosh, I can't do this because I will not get the nourishment that I need, you know, talk to individuals or healthcare providers that know what they're talking about, because that's going to help provide you like more confidence in what you're doing. And it's also going to give you more ideas and, you know, definitely help you to kind of grow and not stay stagnant within that, you know, um, journey in general. I love that you said that. And especially because not all health professionals, not all doctors, not all dietitians are going to be supportive of a vegan lifestyle. And that can be really challenging for someone who wants to make this transition. And so for, you know, if you have the privilege of like seeking out new health professionals and seeking out different care than you have, um, seeking out a vegan friendly doctor and dietitian, because not only do they know the diet well enough that they can make sure that you're well nourished, um, but also when a health challenge comes in, because I've had folks, for example, like with IBS, where their doc was like, well, you just have to, you can't be vegan anymore, like, because you have IBS, which is a hundred percent untrue. And so, yeah, if you have the privilege of sort of seeking that kind of healthcare, definitely use that privilege and find uh, vegan friendly healthcare providers because they can help you succeed. Oh yeah. It, it definitely helps to have like a team that's there to support you because it, it definitely helps to kind of keep, keep your mind, you know, on the right path. Right. Cause like, if you don't have that support, it's really, really hard to kind of build that confidence in the beginning. So, you know, definitely look for individuals that are comfortable talking about this. Um, you know, remember that, Obviously, like we would not as health professionals be promoting this if we didn't think that this was something that um, was sustainable for the long term. So, you know, kind of just make sure that you're going to the correct sources. Um, You know, you might have to do a little bit of digging, but I think most things in life that we truly want, we have to kind of work a little bit harder for and that's okay. (laughs) It will make you happier in the end. Yeah. I love that. That is, I feel like that is sage advice, like for all things in life, not just like exactly. going plant-based. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much. You have so much knowledge to share. And I just know everyone listening is going to learn a lot from you. And if they are not following you, they immediately will. And then they're going to get all the inspiration they need to continue on this path. So thank you so much for joining us on the All Sorts Podcast. We really appreciate it. Ah, oh, thank you for having me. This is a blast. And, you know, if anything, it's always good to chat about these things because, um, you know, if it even helps one person, then it was absolutely worth it. Talking with Catherine is so inspiring. She makes food that everyone will want to eat, not just us plant-based folks. I actually have to tell you, I recently made her carne molida recipe with tempeh, and it was so intensely flavorful that the entire family loved it. Quite frankly, probably more than my own tempeh recipes. So if you're going to try one recipe from her account, it's a great place to start. Whether you're eating a couple of plant-based meals a week or transitioning to a fully plant-based diet, remember that you are on your own journey. You get to decide what it's going to look like. 
Be well, friends, and see you next week.